We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We say things that don't mean anything But thanks for listening Hello everybody and welcome to We Say Things episode 187 Suns fan here with What, did you get a haircut? I did, did I? Oh right, we did our episode Looking Our last good, episode was Cinderin. Monday last week Yes, I have. A, I had a haircut, I did Looking I did. good, yeah. young man Oh, thank you, thank you, sir Looking dapper as always Well, that's hmm. not true, you don't always look dapper You look dapper today So good job to you Oh, wow, thank you Anyway uh, yeah, we got some things to talk about today. So let's do the patron shoutouts. You can do the first half, which is the oh, everyone's okay. favorite half, of course. All right. Thank you to the luscious Bav. T Coil, what is the worst Dota hero you could name your child after? My vote is either Ancient Apparition or Quop. Uh, probably the Butcher. <laughs> the Butcher. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I would say Axe. Um, <laughs> you lose awesome. is reminding us that it's time for the biannual daylight savings rant stupid co-pilot what happened to fails of the week it died <laughs> all right that's how things happens to everything d2 bowie servant of morgoth yataro does it again sinner dude how long has it been you know what would be great to pair with sans fans new gaming rig a refurbished eco-friendly office chair from BTOD or Crandall. You need to write hashtag not an ad if you do this. You couldn't fit it. I long. guess it wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't space. I'm assuming <laughs> there was hashtag not an ad. Magdev is huffing major coping for an NA Dota comeback. Hashtag need a bigger tank. My grandma found out what League of Legends is. She thinks she's thinking of building a PC. Valve, you need to hurry. Please give marketing. Disco Farm D, bilingual people have a greater emotional range, yet Sinran is the robot Stooge McStooge face Darkseid in the house. He changed his name. Praise yes. Gabe. Praise Gabe. <laughs> the Mega Pope, run Dota twice for double the MMR. Hashtag Sunsan TI in New Zealand. Zan Xavier, and that's half. That's more than half. Nate Thicko, zero one Hamscroats, Bacon, Shark TM, freshly seasoned goat balls. Mm. Janie. Stop. Nothing to see here. Underscore man. Guitar strings. Eve Remort. Extra American. Ben Broomhead says hi to his friend Murray from Pixel. M-R-A-Y. M-Ray. Wooden Aftertaste Anonymous. And Dark Matter makes up 27% of the total mass of the universe, while Visible Matter only makes up 5%. Mr. Niebling. Did he misspell it twice? I mean, that's how you spell it in every other language. Isn't is it? it actually? Pretty much. It's how you spell it in Danish. Procent. In German, you spell it like that, but with a Z instead of a C. Oh, today I learned. And that should have been the fact. in all sorts of European countries, it's with a C. That's an interesting PRS. fact. I didn't know that. 
I mean, if you think about it, that's this is the Latin way of writing it, right? I, I do. I look like I know Latin. Okay, you know what a cent is, right? A two brute, brutus, brute something. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> good. Yes, I'm not going right. to explain it anymore. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move that's on. Fun. I just added this yeah. after I heard the names shouted out. The daylight savings, <laughs> brute. Daylight savings rant. Uh, not really a rant. I figured it out, Cinderin. Okay. Chat and I were talking oh, no. about it, just like a casual conversation, and okay. So for me, the time is normal. Oh, God, that's actually confusing to even talk about. <laughs> I went back to P PST. Okay, so okay. technically my, like I'm, I'm, fuck. My time zone shifted, but my time doesn't change. It's still 2.30 in the morning when I start. If I lived in California, then it would have been different for me. But for me, it's still 2.30 in the morning. But when you change in a week and a half, then I get to do this an hour earlier. Isn't that correct? So I figured it out. <laughs> okay. Just to let you know, Cinderin, in case you forgot. Okay. I disagree, though. And you that's disagree? because, yeah, I disagree because this has to be a discussion. It's <laughs> mandatory. It's tradition on the podcast that we can't agree on daylight savings. Okay. That's, I mean, um, the world can't agree on it either. So, so. when, so the question now is, when you say earlier, what is earlier really when it comes to time? Yeah. Does that mean that we start, when you say you start an hour earlier, does that mean 1.30 or 3.30? It means 1.30. Okay, that was a good discussion. Okay. All right. Next is the NBA segment, which everybody's been asking for. Um, okay, so you know how we traded for that really, really fucking good basketball player named Kevin Durant, who... Yeah. Arguably the second best player of this last 20 years behind LeBron James. And his he was initials in are literally kill death. That's, that's very right. good. It's very esports relatable. We traded him and he was injured already, of course. He was going to be out like three, three ish weeks or whatever it is. And we traded my favorite player, who I said is mm -hmm. going to be an all star next year. In his like second game, he scored 45 points. Uh, and he's on the, the second new team he's in? On the new team. Or? And he's the second best defender in the entire league in terms of like where he stood last year. And he's averaging like 25 a game now. He's falling out of control as fucking usual, as I predicted. Kevin Durant, on the other hand, came back, finally played in games for us. He played in the first three. So the first three games he was back with us, he we were on the road. So he hasn't been to the home, done a home game, right? And he okay. was, fuck it. It's actually unbelievable watching him because it's like he's not even trying but in a good way like everything he does just looks effortless and i've never seen anybody that can do stuff like that he can do and he just fit right in like there wasn't really you know he's one of those players that one of the few superstars you can just plug into any system he's gonna be fine he doesn't like hog the ball he's very unselfish so mm -hmm. um good friend ricky aka you guys will know him as r cryptic he lives in arizona he's a caster in the scene uh he got got tickets for the oklahoma city game Oklahoma City versus the Suns in a mm -hmm. suite. I've never been in a suite before. That was oh, fucking wow. cool. Uh, they gave they give you free food, literally all you can eat, free drinks. Yeah, so I'm going to stop you right there. It's not free because the suite is more expensive than the other seat, Shannon. So that's true, but I didn't pay for it. I oh, got it for free. Oh, I see. His company comped him a bunch there of tickets, go. and I he graciously invited me. And I got to experience I'm like literally the worst. I'm I'm the person at parties that you just really don't want to talk to right now. Yeah, that's that's, so that's I'm actually, fair. I'm I'm kind of finding joy in this. 
I'm just smiling. I mean, I'm ignoring most of what you're saying. That's good. So out of the hundreds of games that I've been to, never been in a suite, so that was cool. And that was going to be Kevin Durant's first game at home. Okay, it was the home opener. It's against a team that's kind of meh, but it was like fully packed. Everybody's super excited. I get there and they're like they're about to warm up. They're about to come out and warm up, and you hear the announcer saying, "You guys ready for Kevin Durant?" And everybody's like, "Yeah!" So uh, they, you know, they come out and to do their like warm warm ups or whatever. And I'm looking like I don't. The fuck's Kevin Durant? It's pretty obvious he's missing from the floor right now. Like, what the hell's going on? So a few minutes goes by and he's, okay, he's still not coming out. It's kind of this is weird. So I look at my phone. Got injured. So this is what happened. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's an official warm up before the game that both teams are required to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes players come out early before that, where the crowd is still kind of out there. They're trickling in, which was about maybe five minutes before I got there. He was mm-hmm. literally going for a layup. Like, nobody's guarding him, and he twisted his fucking ankle. Like, it literally flipped. Looked really bad. So he's out for three fucking weeks again. <laughs> so he still has not had a fucking home opener. <laughs> so that is, that is the... Uh... And again, I've said this before. I've been a Suns fan for 30-plus years, or whatever the fuck, however long my memory goes back. This is completely expected. He's injury prone. He's getting older. I expect this to be the norm going forward. Mm-hmm. And the Suns are fucked. But we'll see. You know, he'll be back for the playoffs, which, you know, maybe things will go well, Cinderin, but very pessimistic. I, mean, I think the lesson to be learned here is that you shouldn't warm up, right? That's right. That's what I do. It's, it's kind of, if you're going to get injured when you're warming up anyway, then you might as well not do it. <laughs> so... Okay, That's the one thing I, I didn't mention is there's literally a video <laughs> of him getting injured because the crowd is already there videotaping him. So I could literally watch him get injured in practice, which is very embarrassing. And Jesus Christ. It happens. That's what they say. It happens only no, to so me. Here, okay, here, here's the pro thing about that, okay? Is that he is giving it his all, even in warm-up. He's really <laughs> serious about this, so he really wanted to... What do you call st- Stick the landing? Stick the jump. Yeah, he stuck something all right. Yeah. Uh, okay. He wanted to get stuck. So that's the update on the Suns, a.k.a. kill me now. <laughs> well, at uh, least you said he played well so far in the oh, game he, he was, played, right? So that's he was good. really fucking good. Yeah, it's really, it's not, it's not about his fit. It's not about anything other than the injury shit, so. Right. Okay, next topic. Uh, as you know, Cinder and I, Nikki and I both actually built new computers. Oh, she got and one too. we right. finally, it was fucking expensive. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say how much it was, but we built a computer at NZXT. This is not sponsored, by the way, so I'm going to give my full review so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talked about doing pre-built, so we did it for the first time. For people that are interested in what the specs are, the CPU is the new Ryzen 9, the 7950X3D, and the graphics card is a 4090, so it's a fucking disgusting beast. Mm -hmm. It gets here. And it's supposed to be plug and play, but the issue is they they didn't have the SSD that I wanted, or they didn't have the capacity that I wanted, so I had to buy that separately, and then I had to install it, so I had to open it up, and of course the NVMe drive is literally underneath the graphics card, so I take out the graphics card of both, put in the NVMe drive, then I plug it in, 
Then I run it, blue screen. Like, oh, that's that's great. So I'm like, all right, fuck this. I, I needed to reformat anyway. I like reformatting because I don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. whatever they put on it, not interested. I reformat. Right. As it's installing Windows, blue screen. What the fuck? Okay, that's bad. So I'm like, what the... F and so of all the computers I've built, over 50% of them had something mm -hmm. defective. I have extremely bad luck with this shit. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. So as I'm doing that, I already have Nikki's computer in the other room. Like, try yours. Blue screen. What the fuck is going on? I'm like, this is... Okay. It, surely it can't be hardware, right? It cannot be hardware because that's astronomical, the chances that both computers are blue screening at the same fucking time. So I'm like, it must be some setting. So I... Uh, I go on their support and they you know over time they finally tell me okay disable in bios the wan radio we do that and it works fine what the fuck is that shit first of all they're supposed to test it beforehand right supposed to test it blue screen so i have to disable i don't even know what the wan radio is i don't know if that's connected to the wi-fi at all or if that's actual antenna radio no idea For didn't look into it yeah uh, I want Wi-Fi to work, so that's a problem. But anyway, so after that, uh, pretty smooth sailing. Things run exceptionally well. Uh, I, as you know, I have a four-monitor setup, and I took the mm. opportunity to update the monitors because why not? I got a 4K monitor now on the left, which Sony gave me for free at Arlington Major. That was fucking awesome of them. It's 4K, 144 hertz. Super legit. And then I got a brand new Asus 240 hertz, 1440p IPS monitor. Cinderin. To play CS on. Yes. For I've your been, 60 tick servers. I've literally, true. I've been playing Valorant and Counter-Strike and my God, it is buttery fucking smooth. Only complaint that I have is the mm -hmm. computer is kind of loud. It's louder than my last one. Oh, I thought you were going to say your only complaint was that you had to empty your piggy bank for it yeah that's that's another i mean who whatever money's money you know it grows on trees so they say oh yeah so. that's right <laughs> uh, good i'm glad we established that so, all of you guys out there who can't afford this computer <laughs> just go and pick some money off a tree and get yeah, his rig i mean like i said this is the first time that i've truly truly splurged on a computer right, obviously this it? is my business i'm embarrassed to say cinderin I mean, it's a pre-built, so it's probably... How much would you guess you could have built it for yourself? I checked. Relatively. It, it was like more expensive to build it myself, which I was shocked by. It's like 5K. It was 5K. $5,000 to build this. I think if I include the monitor with that I bought... With or without the monitors? No, with the monitor. No, wait. With the monitors. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the monitor. Okay. Ends up being 5K for me. So the PC itself was maybe like... 4.2. 4.2K 4. 4. or so. 4.2. Yeah. Okay. Which that is probably twice as much as I have ever spent on a computer. But the last one I built, it lasted me four and a half years. This one better last me the same. First comment I see in chat tax write off buggy. That's true. It is a tax write off. <laughs> Dude, I write off everything. Oh my God. Everything that has remotely anything to do with gaming, it's yeah. being written off. So yeah, yeah, that's the new computer. Um, pretty happy with it. Would recommend if you have $5,000. But that's the thing. Like, If I wanted to build this computer, it would have been more money. That is insane to me. 
That is actually insane. It was cheaper to get pre-built. What doesn't make any sense. I feel like that's not going to be the norm. And maybe, I don't know, is that because they have some sort of a, they have access to a supply of something that's just really in demand right now, like the graphics card or whatever, and they get it at a better price? I don't know. Because it, yeah, like you said, it doesn't make sense, right? They're supposed to make money. So if it's cheaper to buy the parts or more expensive to buy the parts in the pre-built, like where's their profit margin coming from? So they have to have some sort of, maybe they have some sort of a deal with, yeah, they get their parts cheaper supplier or whatever, and they buy a lot of them. Yeah. in bulk and build PCs and then that way they get them cheaper and they still make profit on selling them and it's way more appealing for people to buy the pre-built because it's cheaper that way. That might be what's going on. I don't know. But yeah. I'm surprised too. I, I thought buying a pre-built computer was like 20% more expensive almost or something. That's why I was so rate. hesitant to do it in the past but it's like, yeah, you're telling me I spent more money and I had to fucking slave through building it and like I said, it's always something fucking defective. So I have to return it and wait. And it's just a miserable process for me. Mm-hmm. And it's more expensive? Come on, man. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so that's the new nice computer. Nice that it works well, though. Yeah, we should play Counter-Strike sometime. When CS2 comes mm-hmm. out, we're playing, bro. Yep. Next week. That's right, tomorrow. There's the scoop for the podcast, guys. We know when Counter-Strike 2 comes out. That's right. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday. Oh. Or today, All technically. Right. Uh, okay, first topic of this evening that isn't uh, related to random ass shit. ESL apparently is creating a new Dota circuit, Cinderin, with mm. I believe it was a total of $45 million, although they don't really say where that's exactly being uh, distributed, but so... it's going to all culminate. So essentially it's Dream League, ESL1, mm-hmm as qualifiers for this big tournament that's going to be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which yeah. I think that one may, I think it's 15 mil, if I'm not mistaken. I think the 45 million you're referring to is the total prize pool of that festival. So there's other Dota games. 2 is one, right? Dota 2 is one of the games yeah. in Riyadh at that event, I think. And yeah, the Dream League events, correct me if I'm wrong, are a million dollars each. Did you just say that? I think you did. No, I did not. Um... But yeah, I believe so. So, or did, they did. Yes. Yeah. So Dream League will become the main wave qualifying for the Riyadh Masters. 16 teams competing will get to play remotely in Europe over a two-week period for a $1 million prize pool. Invites will be distributed by world ranking. So what do you think about this? So the way that I read it... Mm-hmm. Uh, ESL did get a major, but Dream League and ESL did, got no DPC. Valve's like, fuck you. Like, okay, fuck me? We're going to have a better DPC, something that gives more money than the official fucking DPC. Of course, we don't know yeah. all the details yet, but that's mm-hmm. what it's looking like right now, which is kind of insane. What's your, what's your reaction to this? Uh, and I mean, if, if the prize pool for the main tournament, the, the culmination thing, is something like 15 mil, then that also kind of rivals this year's ti right what was the prize pool this time yeah 20 uh, something was it 20 something it's gonna if, yeah, if they I go if so. they keep going with the same strategy it's gonna be less than last year right it's gonna keep going down yeah, probably uh, uh pretty I mean, insane money as always i'm super happy with third party tournaments i think it's great that we get to fill out during the empty time of the year that we do have because uh the dpc has been shortened so last year the dpc was like six weeks and now it's three 
and that opens up for stuff like this to be possible and ESL jumped on the opportunity. Um, so I'm really happy with the whole league that they're running and this kind of stuff. I think that's great. As far as the whole Riyadh thing, that's obviously very controversial for a lot of people, myself included, if I'm honest. Um, but that's that's the downside here, right? Is the whole the finals part of it is in Riyadh is in Saudi Arabia, which is you know has its issues. I don't think we need to go into many details about why that is an issue, uh, but it is an issue. Um, but overall, aside from that, the whole the whole idea of filling this out, the whole league. The whole amount of prize pool that they have for the teams, I think, is really, really good. Um, and I just, I hope overall that this just, that it's a good experience for everyone, right? Because supposedly the last time there was an event in Riyadh, I haven't heard any complaints for any of the people that participated, at least. Yeah. Players, teams, whatever. So uh, so I, I believe that was, they, they were taken good care of and it was a well-run tournament and everything. So that's great. But obviously there's, uh, there's some politics in this. Uh, oh, yeah. And there will no be. Doubt. So Every time. I'm not going to um, go off on a spiel so. because we've talked about this mm -hmm. before. Obviously, pretty much anywhere you go, there's going to be something you can take from it that's negative, right? Right. And for me, I was asked if I wanted to do the Riyadh stuff last year, and I said no uh, mm -hmm. because there was a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of baggage that goes along with that. Still is. But also, I wasn't like, they, as far as I know, they've never done a Dota tournament there. So I wanted to see how it went first. Based mm -hmm. on how it went, based on the reaction from... Uh, the people that were at the event, meaning the casters and the teams, like if they were to ask me again, I would actually consider going because, well, because of that, it gives me a little bit more confidence. And like I've said before, I was born there, so, and I haven't been back since I was 10, so I actually wouldn't mind just going back, even though it would be in a different setting, obviously. But Have... regardless of that, I think it cannot be questioned that this is very good for Dota. Like, without this, DPC has felt, I don't know, maybe it's patch-related, maybe it's, it could be a multitude of factors, but the fact that an organizer like ESL, DreamHack, are kind of left out in the cold for the most part, that they're able to build up something like this is pretty fucking awesome for Dota. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, has anyone else in your family been back? Because I remember you talked about no. this multiple times on the podcast. So... So you would be the first one from, from your family in the last, what's that, 20, more than 25 Seven, years that goes back yeah. to Saudi Arabia, if you were to go to this. That is, yes, that is correct. I mean, oh. it's not, we're not, we're not Saudi Arabian, we're Persian, obviously, but mm -hmm. uh, I was trying to, my parents were telling me a long time ago what, like, so I was born there, and then mm -hmm. when I, when we moved, like when I was 18, which I was in the US at that point. I got to choose citizenship between U.S. and Saudi Arabia. Easy choice, obviously. Right. But I was told that once we had left, that we just we weren't allowed back for some reason. I don't remember the specifics. I don't. I'm assuming a lot of that has changed since then. It's been a long ass time, so mm -hmm. I don't really. Yeah, nobody's been back. Um, the only issue is like if I were to go, it's like it's I wouldn't be able to see my hometown that I actually grew up in because that's pretty right. fucking far. Still, it would be cool on, in some levels. Were you, when you lived in Saudi Arabia, were you ever in Riyadh? No. Okay. Because I think it would be really interesting. Like, I'm trying to imagine myself that I grew up in a totally different country than Denmark, and then I would go back 25 years later and just see how things had changed, right? Because no yeah. matter which country you're from, things are very different 
quarter of a century later, right? Yeah. So that whole experience would probably be really interesting to me no matter where it was. Especially where we lived. We lived in a town that was three-hour drive from a major city called Jeddah. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was kind of built from the ground up, and we had not that much there. I mean, we had a good amount, of, I guess, but if you go to Jeddah at the time, like, oh my God, they have fast food here. Like, that was a big fucking deal for us. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it would be interesting to go back there, but that's probably out of the question. But either way, I think this is unexpected, but very cool for Dota, and uh, that's, in the end, I think that's the most important thing, regardless of where the money's coming from, regardless of whether you... Like, if you're gonna boycott stuff, that's fine. But I think, you know, look at it from the higher level as well. Um, what was I, what was I thinking? I lost my train of thought. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, about the whole prize pool of this being, let's say it's rumored 15 mil. What was the last event in Riyadh? Was it three? I think sounds roughly right i can just check real quick. i think it was three or three and a half or something like that um i'm just i'm trying to i'm trying to gauge four. okay four mil i'm trying to wrap my head around why this is the prize pool right because i mean all of the things that people talk about with sports washing with okay it's saudi arabia's way of trying to effectively buy themselves a better reputation mm -hmm. um i totally get that but why why did they why is the prize pool this big then right like are you trying to compete with someone are you trying to compete with ti is that the the mentality here because I'm, I'm just looking at diminishing returns or whatever like does it make a difference for the community whether this tournament is five mil or 15 right that that's what i'm trying to I get mean, at is, is i think what's, what's the additional value so here i agree and, to a there's thresholds right i think it's close uh -huh. enough to ti level that that makes a big if this was five million you're like holy shit that's a lot of money but you wouldn't be comparing mm -hmm. it to ti now you're comparing it to ti pretty simple right it, all right i'm not saying that's exactly the reason that they're doing it because there's other games involved as well but uh if i was doing it <laughs> i was trying to stick it to valve or something like that then that's definitely would be on my mind but all right, well, if you were trying to stick it to Valve, then why not 25? That's true. Maybe that's outside the budget here. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> the I mean, they're, they're, this is their first season, so they're testing it. They're starting off slow with 15 million. Yeah, it went from 4 to 15. You know, what's next? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so TI okay. price pool is coming down. Riyadh Masters every year is getting higher. Eventually, it'll pass it, and then that'll be the new TI. Now, the qu oh. here's my question for you. Are they going to buy TI? Here's my question for you, mm -hmm. and... Okay, this is completely hypothetical, obviously. That goes without saying, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say it because there's dumb people that take things out of context. Okay. If, let's say, the Riyadh Masters becomes $50 million, okay? Mm -hmm. TI, let's say this year's is like 15. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're at the same time for whatever reason. Teams would choose Riyadh Masters, yes? Over TI. Probably, at least if it was, if it was the same. Let's say everything else was the same, like tournament format, amount of teams invited, and it was the same teams that were allowed to go to either. Probably, mm. I would think. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna speak for everyone. I can't say what everyone's like personal beliefs or perspectives are, but I, I would think the majority of teams would choose the the fifty million. I'd be tournament. surprised if one person says no. Literally one mm. person at any of these teams. Uh, 
I, it's just interesting to think about because again, 15 million, that's close enough to TI that you can start thinking about that. Like, okay, what if it's 5 million above TI? Then do people choose, mm-hmm. like you're not having, luckily you don't have to choose between them. I'm just, you know, curiosity got the best of me of what you thought because I mean, I, I guess the, there's also before. something to be said. I think it does depend on the player. So first of all, there's their personal perspective, but there's also the prestige, right? Because even if a tournament has more money than TI, there's still something about like the legacy of the tournament, the history, the prestige that goes with winning the international, right? It's kind of like the dream of everyone, but maybe it's only the dream until there's something bigger and then that becomes the dream. Why right? do you think it's so prestigious to win TI? Um... For a couple of reasons. The prize pool is obviously one of the huge draws, but it's mm-hmm. also, I mean, a tournament like that just also has a, a certain pedigree, right? It's like, it's the tournament of the year where everybody is expected to perform at their absolute highest level. It's kind of like the culmination of everything where you have peak performance, the teams of boot camp and whatnot. And maybe if there's another tournament that has more prize money, maybe that just gets overtaken in every aspect. But I'm trying to draw a parallel to something in sports where it's like, there's probably been something similar in, in other sports, right? Where there is a, a world championship of something, and then there's been a, another league or another tournament that has had more prize money, but that hasn't necessarily meant more prestige. Mm. In sports, the world is a bit different in sports than esports, though, right? Because the majority of money that sports uh, athletes makes is not from winning. Mm-hmm. It's from sponsorships and salaries for playing for their team so or that's, their country. That's or. kind of the inherent issue. So the closest, again... I know there's going to be probably better examples, but the one I can think of is basketball, where players, mm-hmm. let's say you're, first of all, the NBA pays more on average, but right. if you're a star that has lost a lot of your skills over time because mm-hmm. you're getting older, you actually will be paid more overseas, like in China or in Europe. But that's right. like on the, you know, that's the twilight of your career, so to speak. That's kind of what you do if you want to cash grab. But then there's the other aspect of if you're in the U.S., Eh, maybe that's not true, actually. Before, it was like a big deal with sponsorships and whatnot. You get paid a lot more because your name is out there. Obviously, U.S. marketing is like you're just going to get more money, bang for the buck, if you will. Mm-hmm. But for basketball, it's, they've caught up a bit for sure in both China and Europe. So I don't know if that's even true anymore. But yeah, like if I guess if we think Let's about say... from the NBA, if if the European League or whatever the fuck it's called... They just offer more money to everybody on average. People would probably bolt. But I think there's something to be said for mm. NBA. It's been around for like 70 plus years or whatever it is. So it's been so entrenched. It would be yeah. really hard to shift that, right? That's how I feel about TI and Dota to an extent. But at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought experiment. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. The thing that will be really interesting is if a tournament does announce a bigger prize pool than TI, what Valve are going to do. If they, you know, if they have some sort of pride or they feel like they have to beat it for the sake of the, you know, the, their tournament being the tournament of the year <laughs> and for the sake of how Dota runs, right? That's an interesting thought process. I feel like if somebody announced right now a $25 million prize pool for their tournament and it was run and it was legit, TI would be bigger. I feel like Valve would make a bigger. I agree. I agree. I'm They're probably sure a bit would. petty, and I like that that they are. Uh, yeah, they would probably. Be. But <laughs> so now the okay. Last, I mean, we're talking about very specific things that don't even matter, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting because uh, this nothing like this has ever happened before. But 
let's say okay so this is 15 mil let's say mm -hmm. valve predicts that the next ti price will be 20. i even feel that that's maybe not enough separation for them to feel comfortable that they would maybe go a little more ham on the battle pass but at the same time I think a lot of the limiting factors from Valve is that people just aren't on the Dota team, I assume, anymore. Mm. And they just literally can't make the big battle passes anymore. But here's the thing, Shannon. They're almost done with Counter-Strike 2. <laughs> and as soon as Counter-Strike 2 comes out, they come back on Dota. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be fine. Don't worry. Just uh, huff it up. I'd be so fascinated to know how many people from Dota are working on Counter-Strike because... I have very outdated information, extremely outdated, because I remember visiting CSGO or the Valve offices when CSGO was just getting started. So this is over a decade ago. And I heard from a few employees that they basically just didn't talk to each other ever, which makes sense, but there's like almost no crossover at all. Because you can work on whatever project you want, but basically there's no crossover. Like people that are doing CS are interested in CS, people doing Dota are doing Dota or other stuff, but... So what Probably did the Dota people now. go to then? Artifact. <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we still have this wild card in what the hell Neon Prime is. I feel like we haven't heard anything new yeah. since... When was that trademarked? Was it sometime middle of last year or whatever? Yeah, something like that. I'm really curious what that's going to lead to. Or if it just is just going to die out. Like if yeah. they, I mean, I'm not like, oh man, they haven't said anything for half a year. I wonder if it's even anything. I'm not like losing sleep over it. i'm just curious like it would be I mean, cool to hear some sort of news or a leak we, or anything we probably hear or probably don't hear about most of the games that get canceled uh internally but yeah if you're trademarking something that make yeah, that would make me surprised if they don't come out with it at some point right because they haven't done that before right they haven't trademarked something and then not used it have they not that i know of but we that could have happened okay. but i feel like i if i had heard that i would remember mm-hmm like Gaben's Milkers. I don't think they've ever trademarked that. That's not a game, right? So uh, Jenkins and I said that at a major, by the way. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How do we get away with this shit? Anyway. That's the thing. You don't. You just don't know yet. <laughs> just keep pushing the envelope a little by little. <laughs> All right. So that's the uh, Riyadh Masters and their... The ESL slash Dream League, I guess, Dota circuit. Very cool stuff. That's pretty major news. Uh, next on the list, we got a list of permabans via Valve and Perfect World, Cinderin. So there was obviously, we talked about Knights being a probable <laughs> sussy, I guess you can call them. Yeah, there was some controversy there for sure. So a list of, I don't know how many this is. Is this like 30 people? have been permanent maybe a bit more actually 35 to 40 isn't it it's a lot yeah, it's, it's like a large players list. so which names you know these players better than me are the big yeah. ones so yeah just to preface this these players have not all received the same punishment um but valve and perfect world in in cooperation have basically researched what's going on in china which has been sus for a long time for a lot of people the main thing that's made it suspicious has been betting sites placing odds that just don't correspond to the game state and then things in the game going oddly in one direction mm. out of nowhere, uh, which has prompted something like this to be investigated. 
So I believe the shortest ban that players got was two years, and a lot of them got perma banned from attending any DPC or any Valve event again. Uh, I guess let's look at the big names that most people probably would recognize. There's Alacrity. Do you uh, know which Malaysia. ones are permanent and which aren't? Because it's mostly uh, Chinese. I don't remember them by heart. Um, I can see it here, actually. Let me see. All right. So the ones I highlight, I'll tell you how much their what their ban is. Uh, so Alacrity is lifetime banned. Mm. Then you have Flyby, who's also a pretty notable player. Lifetime banned. Felix Xiaoba, lifetime banned. Um, a player that we thought was interesting. I don't know if it was, <clears throat> if you and I talked about it, I don't think we did, but MKS was also looking like a really promising player, lifetime ban. Um, so this list doesn't separate them into teams. So it's a little bit hard to just look and just find all the Knights players immediately and check if they're lifetime ban, but I believe they are. Uh, at least XCJ just stands out here, lifetime ban. Um, Ego. Ego lifetime ban, and then a lot of the e-home players have been banned for two years, if not all of them. I mean, this list is just... Oh, actually, sorry, excuse me. The, the shortest ban is one year. So one year, two years, and perma are the tiers that they did. Yeah. And the majority of the players have been lifetime banned. Or about half, I guess. Half lifetime banned, and then the rest split into about another quarter, two years, and so, a quarter, one year. So we've had this... Early on, we had discussion about Smash being permaban a long time ago, obviously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think we were kind of on the same page where I felt like a permaban was too strict. Yeah. Because depending on the region, like sometimes you're a stupid kid, you just need money, you're not, you know, the DPC doesn't pay enough, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know, permit, like a two year ban is going to crush most people's careers anyway. So what's the point of permabanning? It's a little strict. Mm -hmm. Now it's been over a decade that they've been doing this. I feel like you should get the fucking memo already. Like I don't, I don't know if I care anymore that they're permanent. Yeah, like it's. I guess I'm a little bit in the same boat, right? Like the first person that did this was Solo, which is or not. He's not the first person ever. He didn't invent. He invented throwing, it right? for Dota three two two. Um, but obviously that's a big meme that he put a hundred dollars on himself losing and the odds were 3.22. So that's why the whole 3.22 meme is, is there and that was discovered. But since that was the first time that was, that happened, that kind of set the president, but he wasn't banned for it. And after that Valve were like, if anyone ever does this again, you're out basically. Mm. So Valve have been very clear about their stance on match fixing, that it's just lifetime ban. Which makes me wonder, the players here that got one to two years, what did they do? Because I feel like if it was match, everyone who match fixed, I think it's just lifetime ban from Valve's perspective. Yep. I don't think they care. I don't think they care how much money they made from it. I don't think they care about how many games they did it in. Which makes me wonder, the other players that got shorter bans, what was a, a lesser crime in their eyes that warranted that? Um, I don't know. That, that's a, that's a little bit of a mystery but yeah I, I guess i'm a little bit in the same boat like i always i i'm a, i'm against just lifetime bans of stuff in general because i feel like people can change and can better themselves and that like you said sometimes the perspective that people have it's easy from the outside to just be like what the fuck man don't just don't do it but if you literally can't pay your bills and your family is struggling and this is the way for you in the moment to get some relief i understand that people would do it. 
That doesn't mean I think it's good, obviously. It's, you shouldn't do this ever, but the perspective can be different. And the thing is, at this point, like you said, people know the risk. And I think, honestly, it doesn't really matter what the punishment at this point, whether it was two years or, or a lifetime, right? People know what they're getting themselves into. They make the deliberate choice at this point. Yeah, and, and I think one aspect of this that we haven't talked about that much that I have a little bit of knowledge, not, not a ton, a little bit of knowledge on, is mm -hmm. that match fixing in China has been like rampant for many years yes. now. Yeah. It's something, it feels like it's kind of a open secret in the community. Like, again, I, I'm not going to say I can provide proof, but there's people that I trust that have inside knowledge on this stuff, and this is very normal. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure this list, even though this is like ridiculously long, this is the longest ban list I've seen from Valve ever. Yeah. This is probably just a fraction of what's going on. That scene I sounds like. I would agree that that's likely, yeah. Scene sounds but, like it's a big mess. So, so the thing that I'm hoping with something like this is that now that you see such a a meaningful list from Division One and Division Two, that this maybe dissuades at least some people from doing it. I don't think this is just going to be like, oh shit, they're on to us. We're all going to stop now. Um, mm -hmm. But. I hope that this can at least put a little bit of a dent in the problem and maybe over time also show uh, that Valve and Perfect World are trying to combat it. It's easy to say just fix it, lol, because, I mean, if this is really organized and underground and uh, a big, like, this, is, this sounds a little bit conspiracy-like, but let's say this is, like, full-on organized and run and there's hundreds of people in on it, it's hard to just, like, figure it all out and just shut it down entirely from Valve's side. Uh, but if they're at least taking a stance and they're doing something about it, that's already something. This is something the community wanted to see, right? Uh, was th there had been too much silence around this whole shit in China for too long, and now something is being mm -hmm. done about it. So that's good. Yeah. And I guess the whole thing got sparked by the Knights thing, right? That's kind of what got people talking about it more again. That was embarrassing. Um, to cast those games is like genuinely um, embarrassing. But it was it was really weird. I'll, I'll say it that way, and we can only speculate how much of this was shady and how much of it was legit, because when they were playing well, they were playing exceptionally well, but the difference between how they played in the China DPC and on LAN was night and day, no pun intended. Nights um, and day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Don't match fix, guys. Don't cheat. What can I say? It's pretty fucking dumb. It's really bad for the integrity of the game. If you do get caught, you're gone forever. Uh, and well, maybe they made enough money. Know, I, just, matter I just wish this. I mean, all of us wish that this wasn't a problem, right? But at the end of the day, there is a huge market for this because of how how much money people bet on games. And I'm not going to say ban sports betting because I think. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with people gambling. I don't have a problem with people betting uh, in general. I think as long as people are informed and it's properly run, then that is something that a lot of people enjoy, and I, I don't have an issue with that. But I do recognize that something like this can come from it, right? Um, and it has been a problem in regular sports as well for decades. That, yep. that betting just... So with things, betting so and there was a bunch of scandals in the NBA. Again, this is my experience uh, with that sport. Mm. And obviously you have to be very strict, which they were, which helped 
emboldened the scene, I guess is a good way to put it, revitalized it. But then when money comes in, sharing it enough that like they're making ridiculous amounts of money now, mm-hmm. like in percentage wise, whereas I'm not saying this is Valve's fault, but the DPC does, I mean, that, like, okay. The DPC not paying well is Valve's fault, technically, mm-hmm. which they should be paying more, but it's not their fault that people are cheating because of it. It's like an no. indirect relation, if you will. But that is one but way yeah. to combat it. It's just, you know, pay more money. But I mean, we're, we're a long ways from being a traditional sport, which is good and bad. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next thing on the list is Sumail is suing evil geniuses. Uh, this article was written by Richard Lewis, who broke this story. He's been all over the place with <laughs> Counter-Strike 2 and all that shit. He's been a busy boy. Uh, so I'll read a couple snippets. The allegations relate to stock that was given to the player at the height of his stardom. In 2016, the organization was keen to retain his services for the foreseeable future, and presented Sumail with 400,000 shares in the company. In 2019, the org was acquired by Peak Six Strategic Capital Group, and as part of that merger, his stock was converted to a quarter million, essentially, units of common stock and 100K units of restricted common stock. So I think he's... I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of stuff I don't understand about this, but Mm -hmm. uh, part of the new agreement, which I think means in 2020... His contract, he was getting 20K a month, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, but then after the fifth, sixth placement at 2019, they uh, no longer wanted him on the team, obviously, which is when he started bouncing. Remember, that was a weird period where he was kind of allowed to play, but not allowed to play, like, and he couldn't yeah. talk about it. So eventually he went down to $2,000 per month, which is 10% of what he was getting. Uh, of course, he wasn't on the team, though. So mm-hmm. he was like a streamer or something. He wasn't really streaming either, though. So I don't know what the hell that was for. It was chilling. So, yeah. What what do you think of this article? Definitely a new thing for Dota. I'm trying to remember a time where something like this happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of the reason why this is such a big story is... Not only that it's Samael, right? It's a superstar who has won TI and is regarded as one of the best players ever in the game. So that obviously makes the story big. But it's also that amounts and stories of this of this type are probably kind of uncommon in Dota. So the reason you don't hear about it that much, it, from my perspective, is probably that something like this doesn't happen that much. That doesn't mean that, how to say... Similar things don't happen, but they don't happen in the same magnitude, right? Mm-hmm. Players that play for orgs, the smaller orgs, don't have stock in the org or um, or have salaries of this level, right? Like, this is a, an edge case. This is, like, top of the top in terms of salary. Um, and on top of that, it's also because a venture capitalist group, I believe, uh, peak strategic capital, right, buy the team and change the way things are run and they change the leadership of the org and everything so like a lot of the things that Sumail might have signed up for and that he was used to just got completely revamped and there's a good chance here that some of the things that happened that he might have signed off on something that he didn't truly understand or or have read in depth but it's also entirely possible that they full-on just 
pulled one on him, right? Either way. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a he, sh- he said, she said right now. But It's obviously terrible no matter what, right? Because, like, it, it's just a shit situation whether one or the other is in the right. Whenever you get to this point where a player sues their org, it's obviously something along the way went terribly wrong in communication or in mutual understanding and respect. So... Um, it sucks, and I'm sure the majority of the community with stuff like this will will side with the player, right? Because that's just the way of things. But I I just don't I don't know enough about this. I I feel like it's likely that Samuel is in the right about this stuff, and that he could win a, a case here. I believe this has also been running for a long time, right? I believe the like this is a new story but the process has been along for a long time right because like you said it was 2019 december 2021 is when the legal battles technically started yeah and the whole issue probably started in 2019 right so it's possible that sumail tried to find ways of solving this and just couldn't get it through and then at some point he just reached a breaking point he was like fuck this i'm gonna sue you guys right um yeah. I don't know. Like, can you think of similar stories from esports in general where players sue their orgs? There are some, I know, but I mean, I don't know enough like about in other Dota, scenes. In Dota, in I don't think so. Dota is, feels like very unique because most of the time, even in top teams, players that have really good salaries or whatever, there's like some sort of a, a mutual understanding between the org and the players of what they sign up for, and that things are on borrowed time. If performance isn't great, they might get replaced or they might get worse uh renegotiations or whatever down the line but something like this to me is pretty um unprecedented almost not only that and apparently it will go to trial with a jury that's fucking crazy yeah uh and it's gonna be on june 26th of this year and what he's suing them for, I think you didn't mention, is breach of contract and fraud and deceit. Those are some pretty serious categories. Um, yep, sure yep. are. So that will be fascinating to see what happens with that. I don't know where the trial will take place. I would assume NA and how what's allowed in... Like they allow reporters and stuff usually to trials, mm-hmm. right? So I wonder if somebody's like physically going to be there reporting about this to the esports and community. Something I would be really curious about with something like this is if Sumail wins, what damages does he sue for? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's one thing that may, let's say the org, um, two hypotheticals here. Let's say one thing is they paid him less than they were supposed to and they kind of pulled one on him or whatever. The other one is if they, retained him within the org and prevented him from finding success elsewhere, which is why he was quiet for like two years not playing in that many teams or anything, right? Like you said, it was a little bit, can he or can't he play for other teams? Yeah. How do you quantify the value of that? Yeah, like that's where the jury... a year or two at the peak of your career. Yeah, that's right? where the jury... So again, we're, we don't know enough about this, but that mm-hmm. is the place where the jury can come into play a lot. And I think Sumail have a big advantage. Because yeah. you make it very clear, obviously, these are people that won't know what esports is. Because generally, how's it work? How it works? The defense that the both sides can choose and veto certain jurors, but there's going to be enough people that don't know what esports is. So yeah. having to explain that, but then making sure they understand the gravity of like this guy's in the prime of his career, early twenties. That's mm-hmm. when he's literally at his best. You have to make that like crystal fucking clear. And then if he wasn't allowed to participate. 
with for however long that's it is hard to quantify what that means imagine he wins the court case and it's like he won ti <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like gets like 10 million in damage it's like okay okay i won ti twice <laughs> <laughs> two timer here <laughs> yeah oh well, man it's pretty yeah. interesting though yeah i'm sure we've had stuff like this before that's just been not public so the fact that it's yeah. going to trial i guess makes it public domain at that point we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end what will i become senwa saga hellblade 2 play it now with game pass if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, final Dota topic, Cinderin. Uh, don't yeah. have to spend too long on this, but Muerta's been out for a bit now. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on her? Uh, I believe she has so, a 41% win rate, very low, I want to say. I, I saw a, a graphic on it where... Marta's highest win rates in Immortal are position four and five, uh, by a significant amount, even. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think unfortunate is maybe a good way to put it because it feels like the design was intended to primarily oh, yeah. be a carry. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Which means that some things that were meant to happen and some expectations just weren't met. Um, but with that said, I still think, I think the design overall, I'll stick by what I said last time. I think it's fun. I haven't personally played it, but I've played with and against it. And I think the, the dynamic of what the hero can do is, is interesting and unique. The main problem that I see, and I also think the community is talking about, and that we also talked about last time, was her ult not hitting BKB, right? It's really weird to feel like you're gimping yourself against the enemy cores later in the game by activating your ulti that gives you damage. Um... I think there's multiple ways around this. I saw a suggestion that her ulti should make her damage pure. I don't like that suggestion. I think it's that sounds omega broken, so I don't think that's the way to do it. But if you do want this hero that has the duality of like magical physical damage, make it a toggle. I still think that would be interesting to see. Like you activate your ulti and for the next 10 seconds you can switch it on and off. So you can choose whether you want physical or magical damage, but whichever one you choose, you still get the bonus damage. Mm. So you just have a flat amount plus, and then you can like switch in and out of ghost form at will, like troll switching from range to melee on Berserker Rage. You can literally just make it two buttons. See what that does to the win rate. I think it's going to be a huge help, because from my perspective of playing a little bit with and against the hero, I think the hero has really strong timings, and then it just falls off a cliff against certain things later. Um, and is fully dependent on enemy BKB cores being locked down before they get it off, or um stuff like that so 
And I guess the reason the support win rate is better is that its initial first two skills are actually really good. You have a directional fear and you have a an amazing AoE silence and slow. And then if you are a support and you pop your ult and you can do some good damage in the mid game as a support, that's really nice. It's kind of like Marcy, right? Mm-hmm. Where Marcy had really good kits for laning and then even as a support did significant teamfight damage with her ult. It's kind of how I see this hero and that's probably why it's thriving more support, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope they don't go the Marcy route and cater to both sides. Make this a fucking carry clearly. That's what I want to see. More uh, int range carries. Lena, mm. Nature's Prophet. How do you Muerta? How do you make a hero a carry? You make the. Well, a lot of it could be stats. Rel- no, that's not true. Marcy's stats went through the roof, and she'd be. Uh, I would say, like any CC that they have mm. needs to be like the icing, and not the main component of the hero. Right. So buffs to her passive, for example, that's not a support skill at all. Mm. Uh, I'm just trying to think because over time, heroes that you couldn't even imagine being supports have been supports at a time. Yeah. Like there was a time that Phantom Assassin was played as a four with Orb of Venom and Blightstone and throwing daggers at the enemy mid hero. You know, like people people find strategies and niches sometimes that you wouldn't ever think of, and then they just work until they get changed. Right, the PA nerfed. The PA just got nerfed, so it couldn't do it anymore, effectively. And then it became a carry again. But mm-hmm. it's just an interesting thought from like a game design perspective that with the way Dota actually works, I think you can strive to make a hero a carry, but doing that while still keeping it fun is likely to still make it playable as a support, which I personally don't have a problem with that. I think it's good that heroes are flexible. Yeah, um, I and I think... A big part of the reason why some carries are more or less only played carry now is that they're from a different time where hero designs, um, I don't know, flatter is the right word, but like a lot of the carry designs are very old and they just don't lend themselves to support-ish play. But if you release heroes like that now, I don't know if people would celebrate them as much or if they would be like, eh, it's not really that fun, you know? Like people love this action stuff that you can go around doing stuff. You have like high impact spells uh, that are unique. Um, yeah, it's easier to make heroes that are not carries specifically, but can do everything else, which is what they've done with a lot of the new releases, right? Like Mars, Willow. I mean, I know you talked about it. It really is difficult to have a carry that just can't fight other carries when they get BKB. It's just really strange that something needs to happen with that. I agree. Okay. Uh, chat is reminding us that there's roster Mm -hmm. changes. Uh, I didn't write down any of them because I actually forgot, but the secret one is the one we'll highlight and then we'll talk about one more topic and call it a day. So Mm -hmm. secret, uh, part ways with resolution, my boy and Zayats and they move boom to the off lane and then they pick up crystal stays as the one they pick up Armel and Yamich. Armel's going to be the two. Yamich, Yamich, however the hell you say his name, is the four. So a totally new roster now. Yeah, and the rumors were way off on this team as well, right? At least some of them were. What were the rumors? So there was a rumor that they were getting Ramses, right? And mm-hmm. I thought that might very well be happening, that they were going to grab him and move pieces around. Um, I guess after 
after the disappointing previous season, a lot of people maybe thought they were just going to, you know, be like, all right, it didn't work with Boom, but we had great results with Rezo and Zayat, so let's try another player and keep the rest intact, right? Because they had great result at TI, and uh, which was in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they didn't do that either. They kept Boom, and they moved him to three, which he hasn't really played much of before. Like, all of his pro career that I can think of, he's played two. Um, maybe he played it in the past in other teams, but no, mostly known for gaming gladiators and before that viking gg uh, playing mid uh and then yeah i guess those are the rumors that weren't true the rumor that i did hear that ended up being true was armel to mid um and i think yamich wasn't really rumored much it kind of just came out of nowhere um i I guess part of the reason people might have also thought about ramses i mean first of all he was available right but also that Secret were reaching a point where they could technically become a full-on uh, Russian-speaking org if they wanted to, because Puppy has played for mm. teams like that in the past, right? He played for Navi at TI1. They were all Russian-Ukrainian and then him, and he speaks, I believe, Russian either fluently or at a high level, at least. Uh, so he could easily play with a team like that. Maybe that was a direction they could have taken. Uh, but yeah, they remain international and they move things around. Armel will be very interesting to see in Western Europe. Um, yeah, they... and Yamich has been he's been ranked 1 on the leaderboard as a 4, I think he's also been one of the very strong supports from the Eastern Europe region um, but it's definitely a major shakeup. I I don't know how this is going to go for Secret I think it's a very it's it's a their, bold move their second but... mid laner now from SEA mid one a while back and he had a pretty successful yeah. run uh, but yeah, it's pretty exciting to see such major changes. Very sad for Rezo, of course. I'm actually, yeah, I was also surprised that that ended up being the case. Uh, I mean, this is a team that got second at TI, man. One DPC season, and now all these changes. That's kind of ridiculous. Yep. But obviously, the big change was Nisha going to Liquid, right? That's the big one. So that's the yeah. first domino that fell for them. And now Rezo is going to play for. Old G, right? Uh, yeah, that was with uh, where is that roster actually? I guess it's uh, not yeah, technically I'm... official yet. I mean, they did register it in the. Was, they had to register the... it because of the roster lock, right? Is the the lock done already? I, I guess think it is. so, right? I think the roster was. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was no one. Topson, Rezo, Seb. And shit, who was the last guy? Why is that eluding me right now? Kitrak, that's right. So NA position. They already five qualified for closed quals. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I, um, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm in the minority mm-hmm. here. I thought the DP, maybe it's been like this before. <clears throat> I felt like the DPC started way too fast after the major. There's no break. That, it's kind of insane. Like, surely yeah. there needs to be some breathing room there. The thing is... But Div 2 starts like right after, right? So, th- There's pros and cons to that because we can't have everything, right? We can't be like, yeah. we need a longer break in between and then also want leagues like the one ESL is running, right? It's like, there's only so many days in the year. So if Valve like spaced things out, let's say the major ends and there's like a two or three week break and then the next DPC starts... That time frame is short enough that you can't really run a big scale event for third party party organizers, and then the DPC starts. Um, 
I mean, maybe you could have the break be a little bit longer, but it's kind of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying there's an easy solution. I'm just saying that's yeah. my feelings as what well, sort of fucking starter. It, it, it does go very fast. It definitely does. Um, I guess the majority of break that players actually get is leading into the major, right? And then it's up to them how they want to spend the time. Because hmm. when when did this major start? After the DPC ended, season one. So, hang on, I'll just find this. I actually don't remember this by heart, but I feel like the the Division division 1 till Lima Major was like a month, right? Almost. Because when Div 1 is over, Div 2 plays. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of time between Div 2 and the Major beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's probably like... Oh, there's some overlap as well. I think it was about a month. So the Lima Major started February 22nd. And let me see, DPC Season 1. The DPC Season 1 ended on January 30th in SCA, and it was around the same time in the other region. So, actually only three weeks. Yeah. There's constant Dota, I guess, technically, if you can't have two, right? Okay, well, either way. It should be interesting to see what these rosters are able to do. A lot of big-name players out there. Okay, yep. <clears throat> final topic, the Oscars, Cinderin. Very important. Yes. Did you you wrote these down a while ago, right? Yes. I have our uh, our random our, our your predictions and my law. I guess I'll throw <laughs> something at the wall. So all I'm gonna say before we get started is I actually watched for the first time in a while a lot of the Academy Awards because mm-hmm. uh everything everywhere all at once won a shit ton. And I was so happy for a lot of these people. But let's go over our predictions, and then I'll talk about my feelings. Okay. So, So, actor in a leading role, you said Brendan Fraser. Oh, I did. Yes, you did. Yeah. So, you get a point there. I said Austin Butler. Uh, He was amazing in the movie that he was in. Elvis, yeah. Um, Yeah, very good. Good. Uh, Supporting role, you said Kehui Kwan. Yeah. Which is also correct. That's right, bitch. I said Barry Keegan. Who the um, fuck is that? Wait, hold on. I wait. Couldn't couldn't tell you, but he oh sounded my, spicy. Wait, Barry Keegan Banshees. Oh, that guy. That's the guy I thought that should have won. I remember this conversation, mm. but I was rooting for the other guy that did actually win, which we'll get to. Right. But oh, yeah, both Barry Keegan great performances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we have uh, leading uh, leading role actress, where you yep. chose Michelle Yeoh, and I did as well. Did she win? Oh, yeah, she won. All right, so that's three for three for you. That's right. Supporting a female role, you chose Stephanie Sue, and I did as well. Nope. She did not win. Who was that? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Supporting actress? I, I, think, I, think, Ste- I think Stephanie was uh, played the... Did she play the daughter in... Um... Supporting actress. Okay, what was her name? I mean, that's not... Stephanie's. Oh, yeah, yeah the daughter. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's the daughter. So that yeah. one, Jamie Lee Curtis wins, which she's a much no, more known actor, and I thought she was great as well. Like, very unique mm. villain and, like, totally outside of what she's usually done. But in terms of actual performance, I thought that the daughter, the same movie, by the way, <laughs> thought the daughter yeah. did a better job. But a lot of people feel like Jamie Lee Curtis, this was like one of those, oh, she's been around for so long, let's give her an Oscar. I mean, I'm not complaining. She was awesome, but yeah, that was my first incorrect. 
right? What else? And then best picture, you said everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. And I just went, I feel like Avatar is just going to win. <laughs> and it didn't. So <laughs> there's no fucking way Avatar. Was. By the way, the best, I actually haven't seen it. Best picture used to be like five choices. Now there's like 10 just to make people mm. feel better. Fucking movies right. like Marvel movies have been nominated. Like there's no way these movies are going to win. If they do, then it just ruins, you know, the credibility of the yeah. fucking Academy Awards anyway. But yeah. That's very elitist of you, Shannon. What if there's a really good one? If they change their entire formula, it's possible. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying it's impossible to make a god-tier superhero movie, Batman. Yeah. The Batman trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan. That's one of the best trilogies of all time. Yeah, some of the superhero movies have been very celebrated, right? But yeah, Marvel is just—it's like for kids. It's fucking cartoonish. It's—it's—it's it's, it's stupid. Too many jokes. It needs to be. It's serious business. <laughs> anyway, everything, everywhere, all at once. Five. That's yeah, good. they absolutely demolished. Uh, and I was really happy for them because a lot of cuddly people. First of all, Brendan Fraser. This is—he was not in that movie. He was in The Whale, which I still haven't seen. Movie doesn't look good. I'll be honest, but. He is like an internet favorite. Everybody loves him because he's such a nice guy. He was obviously in like a bunch of movies early on and then he just hasn't been in anything for a long time and he comes back and he fucking wins Best Actor. That's fucking cool. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, first person, actually, sec, or, yeah, first person since Halle Berry to win the award. That's a woman of color, aka non-white, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she did a fucking awesome job. She's been around forever. It's just like, you know, random characters in random movies, and now she went. There's a lot of comeback stories. It feels like, and then the biggest right. one of all is the guy that I can't pronounce his name. Uh, where is it? Kehu Kwan. Kehu Kwan. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. So like he is assuming. super, super wholesome, super cuddly. This guy was the kid in Indiana Jones, which you haven't seen apparently, which disgusts me. I have, and he was awesome in that. And then he said this many times. He tried to do. Try to, you know, become not just a kid actor, but a, an actor and other things. He was in Goonies as well, which is a classic. He was in uh, Encino, I think, is it Encino Man? With the guy that won Best Actor this year, Brendan Fraser. That was a very old movie. And it's like, you know, just some teenage movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was. I remember watching it as a kid. And then he was in nothing. He couldn't find work. Uh, he talks about how, you know, that was his dream in life to find work. Uh, in acting but you know during that time like being asian wasn't really a benefit to find jobs in in hollywood but now that you know there's been this revolution of sorts they're getting more roles now and this i think he's on record saying he watched crazy rich asians and was inspired to come back to acting which is how he found this role and he was great in it and he is just one of the most wholesome people he's just one of those people you just root for you know so i was happy to see that he won uh, I saw uh, I saw a bit of an interview where Brendan Fraser was being interviewed, and then Kehu Kwan came by, and yeah. I don't know if he was meant to be a part of the interview, or if he just kind of crashed it. But they were like super happy, obviously old friends, right? From like you said, from way back. Um, and it was also it was interesting to see the way Brendan Fraser talked. I think the way he said it was like, you know, you're doing great, you you have your roles, and then one day the phone just stops ringing. That's mm-hmm. what he said. You know, like he was just not getting roles anymore. And he was like, you know what? I get this opportunity. 
you don't get many of those. I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to do everything I can and just do my best. You know, that's that's inspirational shit right there. That's how a lot of people feel about a lot of things in their life, right? Where something that they used to have or um, maybe that they feel like they deserve just isn't there. And then they get their one shot at it. It's like the classic trope, right? Um, so I think it's also why a lot of people rooted a lot for Seb, right? When he had his run at TI because True. he had... You know, he'd had his shots at TI in the past. It just hadn't really worked out. He hadn't had great results. And therefore, most people didn't think he was like an S-tier player or really had it. And it was like, yeah, it's Seb. He's, you know, he's going to get last or whatever. Um, and then he retired and started casting. And then he got this run with OG. And that was really inspirational, right? To see something like that where a lot of the time when people talk about competition, it's kind of binary, right? It's like you're in and then you fall off and then it's over. Um, but it's a lot more complex than that to compete in any field. Like people make comebacks that are real. It's not just a, a story that you see in the movies. These things happen. Um, and yeah. it's a lot of, a lot of it is about luck. It's about getting the right opportunity and it's about having the, the drive and really putting in the work. And if there's one thing you can say about someone like Seb, it's that he literally just puts in the work when he, yeah, that is true. When he plays. Right. And that's probably what it was like for Brendan with this as well, right? Like he got this role and he's just giving it his all and it paid off. And you're, it's hard not to be happy for those people, especially when they seem like good people too, right? That's the, um, I was going to so, say that. That's the that's best really thing about it. Like seeing the same people every year at the Academy Awards, it's like, yeah, you know, they know what to say. They're like, oh my God, I'm like, they'll get excited to a degree, but they're used to being there. Like I fucking love Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. and he deserved more than one oscar probably he's in great movies great actor but even somebody that i like I'm, the most you hear about him these days is he's just banging 20 year olds constantly despite how old he's getting right there there are easier people to cheer for i guess yeah so it, it's nice to have people that are just genuine like they're very relatable it's very obviously genuine from both those two guys specifically uh, which makes you root for them even more. So I'm happy to, whatever direction, I don't know if this was a purposeful thing or just happened to happen that all these comeback stories came to life. I think mm. it's very good for the ratings, honestly. And I think it's, for me as a viewer, I actually enjoyed watching the Academy Awards for once because the last few years have been awful. The Will Smith thing, obviously the drama is very spicy, but it's mm. like, my fucking God, at a certain point, like how do you get that fucking insane to go on stage and slap somebody? That is like literally needs to be locked up in a mental asylum. Like I don't know how that is remotely possible for you to blow up like that. Uh, yeah, these people are actually just people, right? We're sick of seeing these fake fucking celebs. That's why people love us, Cinderin. We're yeah. genuine. I'm a genuine jackass, and you're a genuine robot. I, I but we don't keep lie it about real. it. That's right. Zero one zero zero one. <laughs> Gang. All right. Well, on that note, that'll do it for this episode of We Say Things. Uh, are you? Are we changing the schedule coming up? Do you know any? Uh... So I'm going to be I'm going to be going to cover DPC. I'm flying out on Monday. Um, I don't know my exact schedule yet. So the next two weeks of podcasts are a little bit TBD for the ones who want to watch it live. And I'm assuming we'll try for the ones who don't watch live and to still release it at the normal time but the recording hours might just be different maybe we'll record a little bit early and 
yeah, I'm not going to promise exactly when it's coming out because if I if it doesn't line up, if I can't do it, if we can't find a shared time, because obviously our time zones are different already. And if I'm going to start covering other regions, who knows what hours I'm on. Mm -hmm. um, but once we know, we'll let you guys know and we'll I mean, we'll still do the episodes. They just might not come out at the exact normal time. That's what I'm saying. So. OK, good to know. Yep. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Until next week ish. Uh, Suns fan center signing out. Peace. Bye bye. We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe. But thanks for listening. <laughs>